0: Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly web scene for the Global Church. I'm Debbie Thomas. Our lectionary essay this week is written by Michael Fitzpatrick. It's entitled Sun and Shield, and it's based upon the lectionary readings for August 22nd, 2021. I've had the privilege of traveling the full circumference of the globe, making my bed in many places and experiencing a wide diversity of cultural communities. Yet, my childhood home remains one of my favourite places to just be. Certainly, this reflects the love I have for my parents, but a home is more than simply being with loved ones, or living within a shelter we have a right to occupy. Call the first family of origin, and the second a residence. Home is something well beyond both of these, as my dear wife has taught me through our years of marriage. Home is an interweaving of comfort and familiarity crafting a space where we feel a sense of belonging. It is a location of safety and nourishment, a place where we can rest when weary or find respite from suffering, where we can retire to good food and a warm bed. It is a place in which we can love and be loved in all our fragility and vulnerabilities. Many people do not presently have a home and some have never experienced a home. For some, their family of origin was abusive or hurtful. Others have only known the exposure and instability of homelessness, never possessing a residence to call their own. The experience of my blessings growing up in a house so full of joy and freedom makes my heart ache to have everyone discover a home. My hometown is along the Klamath River in Northern California. I've written in the Eighth Day column about some of the history of the area. Said Valley, where I grew up, is a former logging town with fewer than 300 people, Since the decline of the logging industry, the town has barely changed. It's a place where no one is remotely wealthy, yet few live in fear since we all know each other, and most people are peaceful folk. When I completed my term of service for the U.S. Army, I was exhausted and mentally broken from 27 months of combat duty in Iraq. My singular focus was getting off that airplane, hugging my family, and going home. I didn't take up a job right away, nor did I go straight to school. I spent the next several months simply healing and being, and learning to be a human again. Often when we hear of war veterans who have trouble integrating back into society after deployments, it's because they found more of a home amongst their unit in a war zone than they do stateside. Home is indispensable to wholeness and flourishing. Our Old Testament reading for this Sunday is the story of King Solomon's dedication of the temple to the Most High God. It's a magisterial story of testament and gratitude to the Father in heaven who desires to be with his people. Solomon's central theme lies in his question, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? In this context, to dwell means to make a home. Solomon is asking how God can make a home with them in this temple, is a fair question, since even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. Yet the people of Israel built the temple anyway, not because they thought they could contain God, but because they dared to trust God's covenant promise that the Divine One would come live amongst them. There is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your servants who walk before you with all their heart, Solomon says. This temple is home because it is the place where every stone and gold furnishing represents God's faithfulness to the Lord's own people. Solomon remembers the concrete, lived history of his forebears, experiencing repeated acts of salvation at the Lord's hand. Solomon declares the temple a place where God hears the cries of the people, heeds and forgives. The temple is to be a place of belonging not only for the covenant people who have experienced the faithfulness of God, but for anyone to come and discover for themselves the heavenly love. The foreigner is welcome in this place because this temple is where anyone can come and pray and be heard by the God who makes an abode in our midst. Today, we live nearly 2,000 years after the final destruction of the Jerusalem temple, and not even the one Solomon built. We typically worship the living God in parish buildings, though some church communities are not so fortunate enough to rent out secular spaces. Since the worldwide pandemic began in 2020, many of us no longer experience church through a geographical location, instead streaming church via Zoom or YouTube. Fellow parishioners sometimes remind me that God is omnipresent everywhere and so we don't need to go anywhere to find God. This is a truth essential to the practice of daily prayer and life with God, yet I can't help but feel that comments like these are akin to saying, God can't be contained in anything built by human hands or even in the highest heavens. The Jews knew this, and still, God wanted them to build a temple. For me, it's a bit like going home to visit my parents. I can meet my parents anywhere in the world. They're a couple of delightful retirees who are always up for an adventure. In 2018, I joined my wife and my parents for a trip to the Scandinavian countryside, touring through Norway, Sweden, and the Netherlands. As much fun as those adventures are, there is simply no replacement for seeing my parents at our family home. Because that is where our covenant love for each other resides, where my family and even a stranger are welcome to eat, sleep, laugh, and pray. The psalmist talks about how, when they stand at the threshold of the house of my God, they experience God as both sun and shield. I'd be curious to know how others hear these verses. For me, the sun represents nourishment and warmth, while the shield embodies shelter, protection, and safety. I find all these things when I go home to visit my parents. Do we experience God like that? Have we opened ourselves to the Holy One who turns desolate valleys into overflowing springs with pools of water? Are we bold enough to build a house of worship with the conviction that my King and my God will come to live with us and give us a home? How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts, the psalmist exclaims. Would that we make these words our own and cherish the Lord's dwelling with us. Of course, a remarkable change occurs between the Old and New Testaments. God takes up dwelling once more amongst the people, but this time not in a place, but a person. When Jesus asks St. Peter, do you wish to go away? St. Peter's reply is not, where would we go? Rather, he says, Lord, to whom can we go? In the Old Testament, the people depended on tabernacles and temples and synagogues to be in the dwelling of the Lord. With the incarnation of the Son of God, the home of God has translated from temple walls into the one who brings the words of eternal life. When we unite ourselves with Christ, we come into God's home and God dwells with us and in us. The need for physical spaces to dwell with our Creator is not diminished, but the body of Christ will always be the primary place we abide with the Lord. It's my prayer this week that we might meditate on how the words of Solomon and the psalmist in the Old Testament can become our words as we describe our faith and walk with the risen Christ. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. If we feel unmoored, vulnerable, lacking shelter, craving belonging, or in need of nourishment. Perhaps it's because we've been out in the spiritual cold for a bit, and it is time to come home to the temple of the Lord. For books this week, Dan reviews Donald Nichols, A Perspective on Memory, An Artist with Alzheimer's. The first sign that Alice A. Nichols was entering a five-year bout with Alzheimer's was her trouble with spelling. A note to get groceries, for example, read B-U-O-Y-F-O-O-O-D. Before long, the other dreaded symptoms came. Memory loss, disrupted sleep, mood swings from euphoria to outbursts of uncharacteristic anger, loss of body control, wandering lost in the neighborhood, the occasional burst of lucidity and language. Early on in this experience, my friend Don Nichols resolved in my remaining years to tell the world about the tragedy of Alzheimer's. In the hopes of raising awareness, providing support to others, and demanding more resources for research, prevention, and treatment. There is almost nothing about Alzheimer's that Nichols does not cover in his deeply personal book, which appears to be an edited version of a daily diary that he kept, including the very different perspectives of the caregiver and their suffering loved one. The complexities of insurance bills and the mountain of paperwork, the complicated regimen of medicines, numerous 911 calls, the necessity of adjusting expectations and modifying your behaviors and routines accordingly, the importance of being connected with friends and neighbors who can help, the healing power of humor, the call for compassion, the absolute feeling of helplessness, the emotional roller coaster of stress and sadness, the loss of privacy when you need total strangers in your house to help, and the dreaded H-word, hospice, when the inevitable end is near. This book is difficult reading. It is a deeply personal perspective on what Alzheimer's does to people and their caregivers. In this case, Nichols was buoyed by his Christian faith, a close family, connectedness to friends and neighbors who helped, and his career as a psychologist and professor that helped him understand his own experiences. For more on this important subject, see my review of the book by Gerda Saunders, Memories, Last Breath, Field Notes on My Dementia and our JWJ Conversation interview with Saunders, and her blog about her experience with Alzheimer's. For Films This Week, Dan Reviews, Flannery. This 97-minute documentary film premiered on March 23, 2021, as part of the PBS American Master Series. My wife and I watched the film from the PBS website. When Flannery O'Connor died from lupus at the age of 39, she had published a modest amount of work, two novels, 31 short stories, and some essays and reviews. That was more than enough to establish a reputation as one of America's greatest fiction writers. There have been 200 doctoral dissertations, 70 book-length studies of her work, a recent critical biography, and now this award-winning film. O'Connor was also decidedly Christian. She attended daily mass most of her adult life and described herself as a 13th-century Christian and hermit novelist. She read broadly and deeply in Aquinas and other theologians. For her, the craft of her art, good stories well told, was an end in itself and a sign of God's grace. The content of her fiction was her confession of faith quote, My subject in fiction is the action of grace in territory largely held by the devil. End quote. To those who complained about her grotesque and deeply flawed characters, like her mother who asked why she couldn't write about nice people, she insisted that there is nothing harder or less sentimental than Christian realism. For more on O'Connor, see my reviews of Brad Gooch, Flannery, A Life of Flannery O'Connor, and Flannery O'Connor, A Prayer Journal. And lastly, for poetry this week, Abide With Me by Henry F. Light. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, Help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O oh, thou who changest not, abide with me. Not a brief glance, I beg, a passing word, but as thou dwellst with thy disciples, Lord, familiar, condescending, patient, free, come not to sojourn, but abide with me. Come not in terrors, as the King of kings, but kind and good, with healing in thy wings. Tears for all woes, a heart for every plea, come, friend of sinners, and thus abide with me. Thou on my head in early youth didst smile, And though rebellious and perverse, meanwhile, thou hast not left me, oft as I left thee. On to the close, O Lord, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour, what but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who, like thyself, my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. I fear no foe, with thee at hand to bless, ills have no weight, and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where, grave, thy victory? I triumph still, if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for August 22nd, 2021. I'm Debbie Thomas.